You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Hello and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law and with me, my co-host, Paul Doroshenko. Hi, Kyla. Glad to be back in these yeah. final days of the year. Thought you'd join us for the last podcast of the year. Well, I wasn't happy about, you know, not being there for the Christmas podcast. And I have to say, you know, I find it much more compelling when I'm on. I listen <laughs> to it. I listened to it and uh, as I was driving along and I thought, oh, I've got things to say here. So, yes, okay. I guess I, I just prefer a conversation than uh, than listening to you talk, although listening to you talk is wonderful. And I note some of your TikToks have just blown up and that should be a probably a some of them should be topics for the podcast. But three point four million views on one of them I saw today. Um, and um, there's a lot of people who like to uh, listen to you speak. Sure. Um, but there's also those are fun. the, those are the TikToks that people listen to, right. Or the watch is yeah, the ones where you're, you're explaining the law, but I, but there's other ones I explain the law. Like I don't understand the TikTok algorithm because I did one today that was like our sobriety checkpoints entrapment, which is a question we get from clients all the time who are mad that they got, they got, you know, sobriety checkpointed. Yeah, and it's not doing well compared yeah. to other ones. No, I noticed that it was a good one. I put a comment on that. You know, it was, I thought it was a useful explanation. They always are. Um, your your explanations of the law are always more nuanced than my thinking of it. And you've thought thought it through more, and you explain it better. It's always surprising to me that you can do it in one take like that <clears throat> and just explain it and, and cover <laughs> off so many different things that I never considered. Um, so I find it useful and I put my comment on there and I was like, oh, there's only three other comments on here. Yeah, um, one today it has 2,600 views and I posted, a, you know, one three days ago about the two types of breathalyzer used in Canada, only 8,600 views. No, meanwhile, you posted one yesterday that's already at 40,000 views and it's not a more interesting topic. And so I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And the, and the, the 3.4 million one now has over 11,000 comments i know good luck keeping up with all those comments <clears throat> a lot of them are <clears throat> a lot of them are angry comments yeah how come how you don't, don't tell people not to drink and drive how can how you don't, don't, don't drink and drive yeah well you know what drinking and driving is not illegal driving while you're impaired or with a prohibited blood alcohol concentration or having it after driving is yeah um but uh yeah it's not illegal to have a drink and drive at one point in your tiktoks you should probably discuss how much can you drink and drive which is not a whole lot, you know, basically two drinks for most males and, and one drink for most females. I'm pretty sure After I that, putting yourself at risk. Well, I did the DUIs are discriminatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one didn't got no action. Yeah. I thought it would have got lots of action. Anyway. Just interesting how some of them go crazy. Your first one that's got 670,000 views. I mean, that was the first one that really set it off i noticed there's another lawyer on tiktok she's in ontario and i don't think she does anything related to the law yes um, there, there are only two lawyers on tiktok and no other lawyers on tiktok no but she's got she's got uh 
like 150,000 followers or something like that. It's You're ridiculous. You're talking about Jules the lawyer. Yes. Yeah. What does she do? I just skipped past it. It looked boring. She's like a social media influencer. So it's not a, she's not doing legal anything. No, I mean, she does work as a lawyer for a nonprofit. Oh, okay. But it's nothing to do with law that she posts on her TikToks? Correct. Well, I would say if you're a listener to the podcast, you should, and you probably already are following you on TikTok. But I think, you know, some of the uh, TikTok or TikTok topics we should discuss one day on the podcast. Anyway, that's something for 2023 looking forward. Yeah. Unfortunately, today we have not a happy topic to discuss. No, it's looking Uh, backward. A bad day. Yeah, that was the uh, very serious bus crash that occurred on the Coquihalla Highway. It was a little past the Coquihalla Highway, but... Well, it was uh, 97C, the connector. Yeah, the Okanagan connector. On Christmas Eve, that resulted in several deaths and a lot of injuries. Yeah, four people died in it. Um, I was following it on Twitter the sort of right after it happened, and I was thinking about that highway. You and I have been on that highway in scary times. Uh, Most people who live in Kelowna probably have been on that highway at scary times. So if you're from outside of BC or you've never driven it, um, it's Highway 97C. It's called the Okanagan Connector. And it basically connects uh, the city of Merritt uh, with with the Okanagan. So it comes out between uh, Penticton and and, and, uh, West Kelowna. and it is a high mountain pass. So when you start driving into it, you're getting elevated, 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 and then you're on a high plateau for a long period of time. And when it gets socked in uh, with snow or fog, uh, it's coming down. I mean, it's like it's like being part of the Donner Party when you're in there. Um, you and I were driving back from a trial once, and it was one of the most terrifying experiences of our lives that we've had together. Couldn't even uh, see the end of the car. Couldn't like see the road. end of the car. Had no idea where the edge of the road was. Just trying to guess at 30 kilometers an hour. Yeah. With your hazards and on, hoping people behind you see the hazards before you, you get hit. Before they rear end you. Yeah. And, you know, you're in a similar circumstance, but driving so slow and you never know when you're going to come upon a car that's just stopped because yeah. they had to stop. Um, so... I guess I could visualize it pretty well when it happened. I think the bus was headed toward Vancouver, right? So it was a westbound one. Yep. It was, uh, it was headed towards Vancouver and, um, it, uh, hit ice and rolled over, but there's a lot of issues that arise from a driving law perspective about this, because first of all, you have people who've suffered very serious injury who were transported to multiple different hospitals throughout the like Okanagan um, because they didn't have capacity at any one hospital for everybody who some of whom are going to require lengthy hospital stays and are going to be off work. (laughs) And ICBC, the compensation that they're going to get is not great. No. Um, it's going to be horrible for those poor people. They're basically only going to get compensation for the value of those injuries. There's so much to this. 
you know, there's the injuries, there's the decision to drive the bus. Yeah, right? well, I mean, the, the provincial so government the come out and said, if you don't need to be driving, you shouldn't be driving. And that same bus company had had a bus involved in a crash the day before. And this is, you know, this is exactly where a, a proper ICBC injury system would compensate these people, right? They'd get time for their pain and suffering and the trauma that undoubtedly they experienced as a result of this crash, right? That's got to be psychologically scarring. They're all going to have PTSD. They're all going to have PTSD. They'd get compensation for that. And the compensation would be, you know, would be determined not based on just what they suffered, but based on how it affected them. But now everybody's pretty much going to get the same amount of money who has similar injuries or similar PTSD. People who only have PTSD are going to get nothing. And there's going to be very little compensation for any of the pain and suffering and you know, a lot of the wage loss as well. But these people who are involved in this crash where this bus company potentially negligently <clears throat> made the decision to run the buses contrary to the government's, you know, recommendation that nobody be driving unless absolutely necessary. And having had a bus get in a crash the day before, this bus company can't be sued. Yeah. They can't be sued for that. No, I know, because it all goes through the ICBC system. Yep. And there's a statutory prohibition on bringing a lawsuit a result of damage that happened in a motor vehicle collision even though this type of behavior would be something that would potentially warrant punitive damages and certainly i could see any personal injury lawyer requesting punitive damages in a situation like this oh for sure I, but okay so I, i've got a few things for you to think about um first i'm gonna step back and think about the company for a minute You've got, you know, your 30 passengers or whatever on your bus and they're all ready to go and they're all itching to go and they all know that it's snowing and, you know, it's yes, their, their decision about the safety of the bus isn't the concern, but they want to get there. Right. And then you've got a bus. Buses are generally pretty safe and buses generally are even safe in pretty bad weather. Um, you know, the design is good. They're heavy. They're sturdy. They're, it's not a, so much an issue of survivability and collisions, but that's not bad either. Uh, but generally speaking, they're pretty good on even bad roads if you've got a new enough bus. Um, and then you've got the issue of who's making the decision to cancel it. The bus driver, the management of the company, do they have the relevant information they need? Are they considering it? Is it a reasoned decision? Does it the weather turn when you're up there? Like you can head up that road and it's for the first part, it can be great. And all of a sudden, you know, as you and I know, it can suddenly turn. So those are all considerations. Now, my next issue that I would say to you is you're pointing out the fact that these people are going to get really a bad deal when it comes to compensation as a result of the fact that everything is fixed in legislation now in BC and you can't sue. Mm -hmm. You want it to be changed, presumably to what it was before, 
Yes. But that ain't going to happen now that our premier is the guy who brought that in. And so the only reasonable way I can see that changing at this point is if the currently named BC Liberals are elected well, I and don't they say, so. we're going to change this to this. I mean, if political will is great enough and it becomes clear to the NDP that they can't get reelected unless they repeal this. I don't think there's any election that's ever a one issue election. Um, There may be a one issue election for me lots of times. Um, You know, I'm I'm not happy about the current federal uh, liberals new list of weapons that they're going to prohibit. Um, some of them are are very primitive guns that are just not used in crimes. And eliminating those from the system is just going to force a bunch of lawful gun owners to have to go replace them with a different gun. Um, and it's a, to me, it's over the top extension that's not necessary or meeting the the concern. But I'm not going to vote for the conservatives or the NDP because the NDP would go further and the conservatives I'm opposed to almost every other thing that they (laughs) that they stand for so you know am I am I not going to vote for the federal liberals in the next election on the basis of this uh, prohibition on on a bunch of fairly benign mostly hunting rifles that were developed originally as military weapons? No, I'm not going to. And I don't think it's going to lead the NDP to be at a threat to lose any seats that, you know, to know that the people who were on this bus weren't properly compensated. Now, here's the other interesting angle with this, and that's the question of seatbelts. It's a question that I've heard my entire lifetime, and I've never heard a actual reasoned response not to have seatbelts on the bus. Well, this is this is the thing, Paul. Um, after the Humboldt crash in 20, what was it, 2016, 2017? Um, oh, I think it was later than that. But The federal government. 2018, has- probably, because we had the podcast, right? Yeah. Well, I've had the podcast in 2016. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, after the Humboldt um, crash, the um, federal government regulations, Transport Canada's regulations for commercial buses, because of course they're the ones that govern commercial bus operations, um, they were amended so that any new buses built after September 1st, 2020, must be equipped with seatbelts for all passengers. So presumably this is a 2019 bus or I, I, I don't, was there seatbelts on it? Do we know? There, there were seatbelts on the bus, but they were not, okay. nobody was being asked to wear them. Aha. Uh-huh. So not required to, they were on there, but they weren't required to wear them. Yes. But then there's a question. Because the BC Motor Vehicle Act says if there's a seatbelt assembly installed, you're required to wear it. But it also says that seatbelt assemblies aren't required to be installed unless um, transport or if Transport Canada's rules don't require them. 
So there's kind of a gray area when it comes to these buses that are pre-2020 buses about whether or not you actually are required to wear your seatbelt because it's not clear whether the Motor Vehicle Act is superseded by the Transport Canada regulations or not. Oh, I, I think it's clear, but I think the separate issue is who's enforcing it on the bus? Well, it's impossible because, to enforce. Yeah, you cannot, as the bus driver, be walking back and stopping the bus and checking people's seatbelts. No. Um, but then the other question is, why the fuck wouldn't you have your seatbelt on? That's the thing. Like, if I see a seatbelt, I put it on. But then, I mean, you and I take a lot of flights, too, to go various I'm... places for trials. And how often do we see people on planes where they say, wear your seatbelt at all times, even if the seatbelt light isn't illuminated. But as soon as that seatbelt light comes off, you can guarantee you hear the click all the way back. Click, 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 click. Everybody's undoing their seatbelts and they're going to all get sucked out the window. Well, you hope <laughs> that'll learn them. <laughs> that was a joke. Yeah. Um, the yeah. <laughs> better Not between me. between the time we record this podcast and the time that uh, it's it's aired, there better not be a air yeah. accident where that happens, or I'm going to look like a real dick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, the on the bus, I suppose all they could do is tell people you should be wearing your seatbelt. You should be wearing your seatbelt at all times. Well, Unless also, you need to get up to go to the bathroom. If you're over the age of 16 in British Columbia, your responsibility to put your seatbelt on is yours, not your driver's. Is it? Yeah. Oh, good. I'm, yeah, I'm glad. Okay. Thanks for enlightening me about that. You are welcome. Hmm. Okay. Oh. Um, there's all these things, and I've, I've read the whole Motor Vehicle Act a couple of times, but it, not in the like, probably last four or five years. Um, but and you remember quite a bit when you read it, but I don't remember it all now. Yeah, and it changes. I know. That's the thing. Anyway, I would be interested to know whether or not the four fatalities in that bus crash were people who were not wearing their seatbelts or were, or, you know, what their numbers were there. If if it, two of the four were wearing their seatbelts. The yeah. thing is, the you know, so many different things can affect it when the bus rolls onto some rocks and one rock goes through that's it you know whoever it gets wherever the bus is hit with the person who's sitting there that's it for them yeah i i have been on buses a few times driving in bad weather and i thought to myself i cannot believe that this person has the courage to drive the bus in this weather and that they must feel confident because they're up there driving the bus in this weather and they must feel that this bus is so much better and I don't know, you know, maybe it's just a, a bad judgment. Yeah. Anyway, terrible on Christmas Eve, though. Terrible, terrible. And I didn't want our entire last podcast of the year to be focused on one of the most sort of depressing. Um, Driving lost stories of the year. Yes. So I thought that we would talk about two ridiculous drivers this week so that we can end the year on a happy note awesome so it's time for the ridiculous drivers of the week a surprising bestseller the pinpoint method of cross-examination is catching on law firms and new litigators across canada have caught on to cross-examination the pinpoint method kyla lee's straightforward handbook that teaches you effective cross-examination skills what do we got kyla uh so the first one 
is uh, a drunk driver, allegedly, who decided to take their car out onto the canal in Indianapolis. Hmm. And Frozen, I assume. Frozen canal. Drove it onto the frozen Indianapolis canal and plunged through the ice. 38-year-old woman had to be rescued from the water by firefighters who then um, determined that she was uh, obviously impaired and took her to jail. And there's video. Of of her driving on the canal or going through the ice? Of her driving on the canal. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. As well as the car, like, submerged in the water. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Uh, I, you know, I know in Alberta, I, when I was young, like when I was a kid, we went to places where there was frozen lakes and my father never did it, but there's always somebody else who would drive on the lake and you'd be in like a, a Ford Bronco, <laughs> a 74 Ford Bronco driving out on the lake. And I always thought this is fucking insane. This is stupid. Who drives on a lake? And all you have to do is go on, uh, on TikTok or YouTube or you know wherever and you can find people who lose their vehicles by going through the ice Um, this was the 70s yes well then they were definitely drunk oh there's no doubt that they were drinking in the vehicle when we were driving out onto the ice to go ice fishing which you know also seems insane to me um just a place to go drink uh with your friends in a cozy shack somewhere where your wife's not around and you can pee outside um (laughs) basically that's all ice fishing is um, but, uh, and, and, you know, that in itself might be fun. Um, I, I'm surprised somebody hasn't created an ice fishing simulator. I'm Just sure going to your, go into your backyard, have a hole there, a little, little heater and a lot of booze. Um, but yeah, there's all these videos of people falling through the ice and I just think, okay, I'm, I'm vindicated in my, my childhood thought that this was stupid. Anyway, um, this is, uh not 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 so much a bc thing so (laughs) so don't drive on the uh, canal although it might be a reasonable shortcut there's no traffic that's true (laughs) because nobody else is that stupid anyway the one thing i did think um was also interesting about this story is is um in the new york post article i know i know um but in the new york post article there's a photo of the woman and she looks totally sober well look they might mistake it they might have thought, you know, might have been a medical yes. issue. Who knows? Who knows? How did they de- determine that she was, that alcohol was uh, a factor here or impairing or what have you? I mean, so often we see news stories where they claim it's an impaired driver, but I bet a lot of those cases, um, you know, it doesn't bear out. And you and I have been involved in cases that were reported, never discussed us discussing it on the podcast, but where ultimately, you know, we got the file and confirmed that they couldn't prove that the person was an impaired driver so you never know i mean but seemed pretty stupid (laughs) and one would think to make a decision that that's that's that is that dumb in any event if there weren't stupid people there wouldn't be innocent people charged with impaired driving well if there weren't stupid people we would be um take away uh, maybe 40% of our income and, and 40% of crime. So, you know, well, that's what I meant. 
Although I would say, you know, think about our clients, especially in the last few years, we've had some pretty decent, very nice people that we've worked with. Yeah. And uh, I'm uh, quite appreciative of the fact that, that so many of the people we've defended are actually really just great people. I'm also uh, appreciative of any clients who are nice, decent people. Nice. Nice goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Let's hear about the next one. Was he naughty or nice? Or is, is he, uh, what was the story there? Um, or is it a uh, mixed bag? <laughs> I would say he was probably naughty. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so who is it? Which one? A, a Florida DUI suspect mm. um, who he's just been released from prison two months ago. And uh, he attacked a Florida deputy. Okay, I know this one. I commented on it earlier in the week. I was wondering if this was going to be one of our two this week. Yeah, he was in a motor vehicle collision. It was reported to the police. He's sitting in the driver's seat that hit a road sign. Vehicle's still running. He's unconscious. He's got a bottle of booze in his lap. So, you know, probably violating some parole. And uh, so the sheriff's deputy turns the vehicle off, wakes the guy up, tries to get him out of the vehicle, and uh, a fight ensues in which he pushes the deputy um, and knocks his radio to the ground, apparently tries pulling the gun out of the holster. But for the number of times that I've heard that, I never believe it because it's always like not actually what was happening. So, but whatever. Allegedly tries to pull the guy's gun out of his holster. Might have been, might have happened. And then starts rapping about how he's not scared to go to jail. <laughs> All right, then. Um, I saw that, too. And uh, I noticed you tweeted it earlier in the week. And I wrote a little chorus for the rap song. You can find it somewhere back in your tweets. Oh, you mean you're, um, not, you're not going to... I don't remember it. All I remember is there was an I'm innocent. And I just, you know, didn't want to race or something like that. Um, I did my best with the material I had. Okay. And also I was limited in care in how many characters I could put on. I was going to write a longer song. And then I realized the amount of time that I'd put into just the chorus that I posted in that tweet, that probably it wasn't worth my while doing. So then perhaps I shall perform it for our audience. Yeah. Do you have it there? Yeah. I I would ask you to drop a beat, but I don't think you know how to beatbox. (laughs) All I know is, Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. <laughs> they said I was swerving all over the place, but I was just dancing, got to win a race. I didn't have a drink, not even a drop. I was just feeling the music, got to make it pop. I'm innocent. I didn't do it. No matter what they say, I'm innocent. I'll clear my name and make it all okay. Uh. That was good. That was good. I uh, see. I really struggled there. Make it all okay or make them pay. Those were my two. But then I thought, you know what? I'll just, if he's innocent, he shouldn't, you know, he shouldn't want vengeance. Right. So make it all okay instead of just make them pay. You know, you you can see, you can see the thought process that goes into the lyrics of my, of my many, what should be hit tunes. Yes. (laughs) Thanks, Kyla. Yes. And that's our podcast for 2022. If you need to reach us, you can find us online at VancouverCriminalLaw.com or give us a call at 604-685-8889 and tune in next year for an exciting episode of Driving Law.